Hello, Glampreneurs. Before we get started with the podcast, I'm going to give you the introduction before the introduction. (laughs) And really, I want to do this because we're taking a pause with our marketing series just because I think what needs to be talked about right now is how to survive in the industry. So yes, I'm giving you the tools to get there, but it's really good to hear someone else's experience to know that you're not alone. And that's what this episode is about, surviving in the industry from someone who has taken some hits and kept pushing forward and now is super successful in the industry. So take a listen to this episode and I hope you enjoy it. Go ahead. Cue the introduction. Welcome to Life After Beauty School, What I Wish Someone Told Me, a podcast for glampreneurs who want to take their business to the next level. If you struggle with building your clientele, marketing yourself on social media, working long hours behind the chair, or maybe you've been in the beauty industry for a while and you're tired of hustling and ready to run an effective business, you might want to stop and take a listen because this podcast is for you. I'm Deandra Giselle, hairstylist, business coach, and educator. I discuss real action plans and solutions to help you live a wealthy life. Now let's get into this podcast. Hello, Glampreneurs. I am back with another episode of Life After Beauty School, aka Labs. And my guest today knows exactly what it's like to survive through tough times. She is like my shero. She is a salon owner, an educator, blonde specialist, and salon coach. Not only did she find a way to pivot her business during the shutdown, but she found time to support us in the meantime while she was helping her business thrive. So I want to introduce to you today, my good friend, Rachel (laughs) Chambers. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to Labs. Hi, how are you? Hi, hi, hi. I'm good. I'm good. I asked Rachel to do this podcast because during the pandemic, I felt like we were each other's sanity, right? Like absolutely. (laughs) We would get on lives and we were supposed to have a conversation with you guys, but it was just kind of like supporting each other. Like, uh, what are you doing now? How are you going to do it? And total therapy, total Total therapy. therapy. (laughs) And we were in two different States. So Rachel's in Washington state and that's not DC. It is state. And I am in California. So we found that even though we were in two different places, the sentiments and the feelings and everything was all the same. We were all going through the same thing. And so the reason why I chose this topic with you is because I just find that you really were thinking outside of the box during that time to help your business survive, but you always kind of think outside the box. (laughs) So I want you to give us a little background on how you even entered this industry and became a salon owner. Well, that is a very long story. I'll try to keep it short and sweet, but I honestly didn't figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up till I was in my thirties. So, um, originally I actually owned a construction business for 11 years and we actually built houses. 
Um, so until if anyone remembers beautiful 2008, um, where everything <laughs> kind of crashed and came crashing down on top of us, it gave me the opportunity to do something that I've always wanted to do. I've always been in love with the beauty industry before I was a hairstylist. I actually was a makeup artist and, um, through this journey, it gave me an opportunity to do something that I really wanted to do rather than something I was just kind of brought into. And so when my youngest actually went into preschool, I went back to school to become a hairstylist. And my Wait time in beauty, yeah. Preschool? <laughs> preschool. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you went yeah. through cosmetology school. Can we just pause a moment and kind of, mm -hmm. for those um, people who may be doing cosmetology, you know, as a second or third career, what was that like being in school with like other individuals who may be like 19 and 20? You know what I mean? What was that like? It was a rather funny experience. When I was in beauty school with people just freshly starting out of their, starting out of, you know, high school and going into their first jobs, it was really an interesting perspective because their problems and challenges were so very different than my problems and challenges. You know, I have three kids at home. I am struggling to raise them, help with homework. Um, I am also learning and growing myself and putting myself out there in uncomfortable situations and learning new things. Um, I got the opportunity to be in a contest of a business student of the year, which, um, and all hilariousness technology is not my favorite thing in the entire <laughs> world. And so I had to do a PowerPoint presentation which my eight-year-old helped me with. So <laughs> what was funny about that is actually it, um, I actually finished um, in third place out of the whole United States and Canada. Wow. And I really found my thing. I found my thing in school. And so I was at the top of my beauty school. Um, you know, I had students asking me questions and I felt myself in a mentoring position, even though I was learning, but I felt so powerful and just so excited for my next step. But yes, going to beauty school with people at different ages, it really taught me how to work with young people, but also be kind of a mentor at the same spot, which really taught me a lot going into my career, becoming an educator and one of my favorite things to do as a stylist. That's awesome. I just wanted to talk about that because a lot of times we don't start in our first career and mm -hmm. there's some sort of like perception that you should be young starting cosmetology or getting into the beauty industry. And a lot of times it's, it's the opposite, actually. It's like, absolutely oh, second career. This is my third career. Um, and so I just want to take a moment to talk about that, but let's get back to when you were saying how you transition out of having a construction company, going to Cosmo school, and then, you know, now starting your career. Um, yeah, so I graduated beauty school and I landed myself in my first salon. And mind you, I was coming out of, you know, an economic depression, really coming out of school. So not a lot of salons were hiring. And so I was thankful that I took 
all the opportunities to do every single class I could get my hands on, uh, be a part of competitions and hair shows. Um, so I was grateful for that because it gave me some experience to be going into interviewing at these salons. Um, so I went on a couple of interviews and I did get a couple job interviews, which I felt so grateful for because a lot of my um, fellow student colleagues were not having those opportunities and they were really feeling stuck. Mm -hmm. And so I felt grateful. So I picked a salon that I wanted to work at and it was a small salon that was just starting. Um, my boss actually was an esthetician. Um, so she was coming from the beauty world and um, I was kind of kind of hold down the hair side. Well, what I quickly really realized is that I needed a mentor. So mm. I kind of fell on my face at my first job. And um, I was using a color line that I wasn't fully comfortable with. And I was struggling with great coverage and just basic knowledge. And I really needed someone else there to really bounce ideas on and give me more tutoring because I tell you what, when you come out of that school and you're, you're right there, you're up at the top of the ladder, right? That fall is hard because <laughs> you, you literally jump into the big pool, right? And so yeah. now you're a big fish in a way bigger pond. Mm -hmm. So I got pulled from the floor and was pulled from doing color, which is my favorite. That is my thing. I'm a colorist through and through. And so I um, went back to my mentors. I went back to my lovely teachers. Teachers, thank you so much. You guys literally counsel us through so much. But I went back crying. I went back crying and devastated because I had worked so hard to get where I was. And this was my opportunity. I had a job first out of my graduating class. I was ready for it. I felt like I had worked so hard. And then just to fall on my face, it was devastating. And so I had to make a hard decision. And I went back to that owner and said, you know, I realized that I need more help. I need more instruction. I need more tutoring. And I know that you are not a hairstylist and I just don't feel like this is the place for me. Mm. And so I quit that job that was so hard to get and started looking again. Well, as I was gathering my things, I literally knocked over a huge giant five gallon paint can of primer. If anyone knows anything about primer, it spilt all over carpet. <laughs> basically that felt is like terrible. You know that movie scene, like where you see like like the bad guy, like or or like the good guy, the savior, where he like lights a match and throws it behind him and everything explodes. I felt yes. like that's what I just did to my career. I was just like lit the match, threw it back, and was like, all right, okay, let's start all over again. And I landed in a new salon that um really I found a mentor with. So that would be my hugest thing coming out of school, find a mentor, find someone that can really assist you and help you and bounce ideas off you because you do have the education. You're just still learning and you will continue to learn forever for always. Um, but I found myself in a salon where I really had others around me to help me and I can grow and watch and learn. And so and that's how I became a stylist. And, but the second part of that is that literally while I was there within five months, I found my marriage falling apart. 
Oh my gosh. And yeah. I've, I'm like the cat with nine lives. I swear to God, I've like, I've lived it. You name it. It's happened. Um, but I found myself, um, taking care of my three kids all by myself right in the beginning of my career. And so I had to really dig deep and be in a very uncomfortable situation where I didn't have a clientele. I didn't have you know, a background. I am still learning. I am still growing. And I had to be successful today, not yesterday. And it was a very stressful trying time, but I'm also grateful for it because I was hungry. I, I was, was hungry say, and I had to make it. I was going to say to do that it. that is going to help you just get that hunger to get your clients, right? Because I was kind of in a similar situation, second career, living with my mom. I have a son, like I need to make money today, like while I'm mm -hmm. in school, like today. But I love that you talked about having a mentor because a lot of hairstylists leave school and they think like, now I'm about, to, I'm going to make money now. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to get in here. I'm going to make money. I'm going to like kill the game. And then you get your first client, you follow all the rules of gray coverage and her hair still doesn't cover gray, right? Like, yeah. and you're thinking that's simple knowledge, that's simple knowledge, but there's different factors. There's different things to think about and through experience and through someone to kind of guide you, you're able to be better. And I love that you talked about having a mentor because that's key and talking about your trials through that, because we know that our trials affect our career. And as Harris says, we are normally givers. You know what I mean? We're normally people that we give and sometimes we don't have a lot to give, but we're, we're going through our own thing. And it's like, you got to keep the positivity to keep the environment good in your salon. So how did you get into deciding that you were going to open your own salon? Like, where did that come after you have went through the transition, you found your mentor, where did that come into your career? Okay. So the first three years of my career were very eventful. I was going through a divorce, you know, coming out of just really a hard situation that in itself, um, I loved my salon I worked for. And then things started to shift and change. I think that every leader has the opportunity to be there for their team or to be the demise of their team. And that started to shift and happen. And as I've lived some life, um, I'm thankful for that. I, this is my second career because I have some life underneath me that I didn't screw it up. You know, I was willing to walk through those hard moments. And I remember a call very clearly. Um, so as an educator, I work very um, hand in hand with distributors. And one of the distributor consultants had called me and was like, hey, Rachel, have you ever thought about opening your own salon? And I was like, yeah, sure. But you might as well ask if I want to go to the moon right now. I'm literally a single mom. I have three kids. Um, I work a billion hours. Um, I have no assets um, because, you know, our construction company did put us under. We had to do <laughs> bankruptcy. Luna. Oh my gosh. This Luna's job. saying Come here. that. Luna's yeah. like, hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm with her. <laughs> just going to put her on my lap so that she'll stop barking. Um, and so 
I told her, I was like, you know, I don't know how that'll be possible. I don't have assets. No one's banging down my door to give me some money, Mm -hmm. but I've always lived life, um, going towards every opportunity that was open to me. That's how I became an educator. Um, that's how I, um, got started as an educator within one year of my career. They never Mm -hmm. asked my experience. So I never told them, (laughs) I just kind of jumped in. Sure. Yeah. I can teach you some things. Sure. Why not? I mean, and honestly, we are all good teachers because we learn from experiences and difficult moments. So I became an educator within one year of my career because I was assisting another educator and um, the distributor noticed me and she's like, have you ever thought about being an educator? And I was like, sure. Yeah. I've always thought about being an educator because of what education has done for me and what my educators did for me. I wouldn't be here as a stylist if they didn't push and see the potential in me mm-hmm. to push me past those very painful learning experiences. And so um, the distributor had called me and she goes, well, I think you should actually talk to one of my friends. She is actually selling a salon and I think you would be a really great owner. So I went and talked to her and kind of gave her my spiel of where I've come from and what's going on with me. And I said, you know, um, it's not that I haven't thought about owning my own salon. It's just the avenue to get there. I don't see how that's possible. Mm. And so she's like, well, I might have an opportunity for you, but let me talk to my husband and you think about it and um, I'll get back with you. And so I went and reached out to one of my friends who used to be the salon manager for the salon I was currently working at. And I asked her, I said, do you think I could do this? Just point blank. Like, is it possible that I can do this? And she goes, Rachel, if anyone could, it's you. And I, so I just was like, okay, well, it's either going to happen or it's not, you know, what, I don't have any other avenue or, and I was very unhappy with where I was working, but I didn't know what my next step could be or should be. And they ended up giving me an offer where they would carry the cost of the salon and I would make payments to them. Wow. With the handshake, basically we did have like, um, We did have a lawyer write up an agreement and I would pay them directly rather than get lending from a bank. And it was the scariest thing I have ever done. Mind you talking about putting all your eggs in one basket, if you will, for all analogies, I had just gotten, um, a tax return and I had about eight grand saved um, to do this. Okay. So mind you, eight grand is not a lot of money when you live in Washington, very many places, period, right. And so I talked to my boss and said, you know, I have this great opportunity. I wasn't breaking my contract with him because I, my salon was going to be further away than what the agreement was, where if you left, you know, you could go so many miles away and then it wouldn't be an issue. So I talked to him and it was a really interesting subject um, or conversation because he looked at me 
And he's like, so I was dating someone at the time and he looked at me and he's like, so is this something like Eagle was helping you out with? Mm. Um, and I was like, excuse can't you, this, excuse me. I was like, can't this just be me? Can't this just be me and my dreams and my hard work and my moment? But I, it, it blows my mind that so many times people always think that you can't do something by yourself. You have to have someone in your corner or you have to have someone backing you when the most important person that's going to show up to the table is yourself. Yeah. And you're, it's funny you say that because I, I had a post that I just did recently and it said, you have everything you need to be successful. It's true. And that's, that's it. You don't have to wait for anyone. You don't have to wait for this special moment. I mean, you do take advantage of opportunities, but you don't have to wait for someone to give you validation to take that opportunity. And as I'm listening to your story, that's every opportunity that came, you did it, but you did it afraid. A hundred percent. Yes. It did was it fearful. terrifying. Yeah. You did um, it fearfully, but you did it. So you spoke to this guy. He basically tried to pour salt on your, you know, mm-hmm. your dream, try to crush it. And then what, what did you do after that? Well, it was funny because I realized that that was his story, not mine. A -hmm. lot of the times people speak to you from their own experience and what they say to you, if it's unkind or it doesn't serve you or isn't for you, it's about them, Mm -hmm. not you. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that really quick. I'm like, oh, that's how you started. That doesn't mean that has to be how I started. Right. Um, but so May 1st happens, we sign the agreements. It's my first month on the floor. Um, I met with, there was existing stylists that were there. And so I met with them, um, told them who I was, my vision for the salon. And, um, it was a nightmare. (laughs) I was going to say, so how is that? That's like when a company comes over and buys another company and you're like, cause you're inheriting hairstylists. So they're not necessarily who you may have chosen to work for you. So how did that transition happen? Were they like, yeah. Or were they like, uh, who are you? Well, a little bit of both. So what I realized really quickly is that uh, a lot of the stylists were very unhappy with the current leadership. And so I left that meeting. They had all of these concerns. I surveyed them. I asked them what they would want for the salon. What do you need as a stylist? What would you like to see for identity salon? Um, What do you need from me? And I really, I was like this, I, I want you to honestly answer this. And I said, Hopefully throughout this meeting, you see the intentions of my heart, that I'm a real person, um, that I want you to succeed. I want all of us to succeed. So I really ask you to honestly answer these questions. Mm -hmm. And um, I left that meeting completely exhausted and not in a bad way. I really realized that they were all unhappy. So they're either going to love me or they're going to hate me. Mm-hmm. just really that easy. They're either going to love what I'm going to do with the salon or they will leave. And I had a little bit of both. Um, but I think the pivoting moment 
So May 1st went, is when all of this transpired. May 21st, my mom actually passed away. Oh my gosh. And so basically life blew up in my face once again. <laughs> and I always get emotional when I tell this story, but it was a moment where I had to trust these people. I had to have them show up because I had to go and do life, real life. Mm -hmm. And I threw everything at them. And I have to tell you, they rose to the occasion. Those people stood in for me and stepped up for me in a way that I think only a vulnerable moment gives you the opportunity to mm -hmm. do. And I ended up having to spend every single dollar that I had saved to pay for my mom's funeral and to bury her and to take care of my family. And then walking through that, it really truly bonded us all together as a true family, because they showed up to me in a vulnerable way. And I think it gave them the permission to be able to show up vulnerably to me as well. Mm -hmm. And it literally tied us together. I mean, even some of the people that have moved away or, you know, life situations have happened that have separated us, we are still close and we still talk to this day. And I am so grateful for my team um, that number one, I have to be accountable to show up for them, but they have to be accountable to show up for me too as well. And that really changed the trajectory like of our salon to really become and very quickly bonded and become a salon family. Wow. That's like, I didn't even know some of that. I know I haven't shared everything with you, but I mean, like I said, it's lots of long stories and tearful conversations. So geez, I'm like, wow. Well, so the topic of surviving and pivoting is just like, <laughs> this is perfect for you. <laughs> so how long has your salon been open? Uh, we've or been when open... you took over, when you yes. took over? When I took over, we, uh, we have now been open for lucky number seven, you know, nothing like lucky number seven in the middle of a pandemic. It's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, but you're still here. So let's talk about the pandemic because you have a salon, not a suite. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm seeing right now in transition is more people are trying to go into the suite life versus the salon life. So yeah. you had to, during the shutdown, number one, what did you do during the shutdown? Like when you found out like, okay, we can, which has never happened in the history of right. our industry. And they were like, you can no longer work period point blank. What was your first thoughts? And like, what did you do? Oh, well, first thoughts was, um, grab some wine and let's think about it. <laughs> Um, I have always been a hustler. Um, I've been on my own since I've been about 16, 17 years old. And so, um, honestly, I have always been able to hustle. I've been always able to figure it out. Never in my life has anyone told me that I couldn't work mm -hmm. ever. And so I didn't know what to do. So my first thing was just Number one, I think I watched probably 24 hours of TV and scoured the internet for every sort of like 
useful thing ever. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I immediately reached out to all my vendors, all, um, my insurance companies, everybody I could think of to try to get resources, which a lot of the times was on hold for a billion years, and then they could give you no advice. So I, first of all said, where can I save money? So that's where I reached out to those vendors. Cause if I can prolong at least the amount of money that I like need to spend out each month, cause number two, it was going to be told us that it was going to be two weeks. We were going to be shut down. Fast forward to three months, um, was a very different scenario. And so I just looked at everything, like, where could I save money? You know? So I reached out to everybody. So like my insurance company deferred me for 90 days, you know, um, things like that. And so I really through all this research for myself, gave that to my team. You know, this is what I did to save money. This is what I did to do this. It doesn't make that the money goes away, but at least it buys you another day. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I helped them get on unemployment because that was open to us. Um, so once again, I've never worked so hard for zero dollars in my entire life. Yeah. Like I almost wore a hole in my office chair and in my couch chair of just really trying to find any information that was open to us, which wasn't a lot because we'd never gone through this. I was going to say no one had the answer because no one even knew because like you said, we were told two weeks, two weeks turned into three months. And then, you know, a year later, (laughs) we're still kind of still- figuring things out. So during the pandemic, so you did that, you found a way to kind of shift by yourself another day, but what type of revenue could you make for the salon with clients? Because you had a really good idea. And I was like, that is genius. So how did you even tell us about the idea and how you came up with it? So really quickly, of course, my clients were reaching out to me. Um, okay, Rachel, what do I get from the grocery store to color my roots? I'm like, absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like, please do not do that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if I have, you know, a couple, like, at least um, clients that are reaching out, everyone else is thinking about it. So I started making my own at-home color kits and I suggested to my staff the same. And, um, and I was like, well, how do I even give it to them? Right? Like, what do I do? And um, I used to own um, one of my other nine lives. I used to own a restaurant too as well. So I was thinking what's like small containers that are dirt cheap, what can I get? So I was thinking like those ketchup, you know, like ranch dressing cups. Right. So I knew that even just as a stylist, if you leave your color out, it's only usable for 24 hours. So I would set up one day a week to go into the salon and fill color kits for everyone, including my other stylists. Mind you, I, I run a booth rental salon and also commission-based stylist, but I just wanted to support them in any way I could. So if I'm going to be there, tell me what your client wants. I'll fill them all up. 
Um, I got um, super cheap color brushes. I asked them to keep a hold of them, um, bring them back next time when we refill. Um, I gave them, thankfully we had a lot of resources. So the color company that I was working for, they, they gave us an abundance of bowls and brushes. So that's what went out. I did the color, measured out developer. All you have to do is take these two cups, pour it in a bowl, stir it up with either a whisk, or if you don't have a whisk, use a fork, just make sure it's uh, really blended. And then I made um, a tutorial video of exactly how to color your hair. Um, oh, man. And so, did you know how to do like tutorials? Um, I've done a few tutorials in life, but I'm super actually kind of awkward person. Um, I love being an educator, but I am. And so me like, you know, doing, I figured, you know what, if I'm going to look awkward doing it, it's going to be awkward for them too. So who yeah. cares? Who cares? You know, I'm there to help my clients. I'm there to help my staff. And if I have to look stupid for 10 minutes to show someone how to color their hair, I don't care. And, um, I think that was one of the most, um, uh, grateful things that came out of, um, being at home is that I just did stuff that I didn't think I was normally qualified to do, like, you know, making lives and doing videos and doing it from my house where my dogs bark and yeah. <laughs> my kids walk by. I'm like, this is real life for us. And I feel like so much of our beauty industry is this persona that we have to know and look perfect and do everything perfect and say everything perfect when people just want realness. They and do. I think that was one of the best things that came out of um, this pandemic is you really got to see who really somebody was. And if I'm your cup of tea, great. If I'm not, that's okay. And I shouldn't be so worried about it. Yeah, you definitely came up with that idea, did the tutorial. Now let's talk about how we're slowly opening up. You get the mm -hmm. call that, okay, salons can open up and you had to make your salon as safe as possible with barely little to no materials. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are you enjoying this episode? I know you are because Rachel gives so much information and she has survived through so much. But we're going to take a little pause and let you just take in some of the information that she's giving you. And this is going to be broken down into two parts. So what you just listened to was part one. Part two is going to be next week. So be sure to tune in next week and listen to how Rachel continued to survive and thrive through this industry because she knows some things and she did some things and she's doing some things. You can learn a lot from her. So as always, thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for part two of surviving in the beauty industry. If you haven't already, be sure to take a screenshot and share on your social media platforms so other glampreneurs like you can hear Life After Beauty School podcast and check it out and subscribe. Also, don't forget to follow me on 
social media. My name is Deandra Giselle on all social media platforms. And come back next week for part two. Thank you for listening, Glampreneurs. And as always, stay connected.